Shavua Tov from Israel and welcome to this edition of our weekly Israel News Podcast for the week starting January 10th, 2021. Brought to you by IsraTransfer.com, Israel's most trusted money exchange experts. My name is Adam Malaman and I'm delighted to once again host this weekly podcast summarizing the stories that are driving the news cycles in Israel this week. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, CastBox and all the other places where podcasts can be heard. We're now several weeks into these shows and we're getting a tremendous response for which we're incredibly grateful. So wherever you hear this, make sure that you subscribe and join our growing list of followers. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love a like, a comment and of course a share. Please help us to spread the word and grow our audience. After the news summary, our feature interview is with Jerusalem-based property lawyer Yair Givati, who will be discussing the legal and tax issues that you have to know when you're buying property in Israel. And again, let me remind you about the daily shekel rates and analysis uh, with Daniel Engelsman. We post these videos every day on the Israel Transfer Facebook and LinkedIn pages. That's every Monday to Thursday, I should say. And now on with the show with a summary of the key stories which are driving the news in Israel this week. And we'll begin, of course, with coronavirus. What else? With new cases of COVID-19 rising alarmingly over the last couple of weeks and the looser restrictions that were imposed two weeks ago having had little or no impact on the numbers, Israel has entered a stringent lockdown from midnight last Thursday. Uh, This is currently set to last for just two weeks, but few people here believe it will end before February. We are therefore restricted to gatherings of no more than five people indoors and 10 people outside, with very limited exceptions for things like weddings, brit milah and funerals, where they allow double those numbers. The Israeli public has been limited to a one kilometre radius from our homes, unless for exempt activities, such as food shopping or for essential workers. The entire education system is closed, other than for nursery-aged children of essential workers. Uh, That's why you may hear my children uh, in the background of this broadcast. Other students are attending classes on Zoom. People with airline tickets purchased prior to the lockdown are going to be allowed to travel, but incoming passengers must enter a quarantine hotel for isolation. Obviously, all stores are closed apart from uh, grocery stores and pharmacies. Restaurants and cafes have been restricted to home delivery service only, and public transport has been reduced to just 50% of normal. The only workplaces open are basically, other than those I just mentioned, uh, places where essential worker uh, exemptions are given. Meanwhile, the number of coronavirus hospitalized patients has risen to over 1,000 on Sunday, the first time hospitals in Israel have dealt with this many COVID patients since the start of the pandemic. According to the figures from the Ministry of Health, which were released this morning, 5,047 new coronavirus cases were recorded over Shabbat. That brings the total number of infections confirmed in Israel since the pandemic began to 487,680 people. Shabbat numbers, by the way, are always significantly lower than weekdays because less people go for testing. And on Friday, 7,800 positive tests were recorded and the percentage of those testing positive stood at 
6.7%, which is much higher than we were talking about if you listen back to our podcast just a couple of weeks ago. Worryingly, there have been four cases of the more contagious South African variant uh, reported over Shabbat. Let's have a more positive note, because I think we always need to finish these COVID stories in the positive area. And it really is, as I said last week, an incredible story. Israel's remarkable vaccination program uh, will pick up again on Wednesday after a brief lull uh, for the past few days because supplies ran low. The second vaccination rollout has already begun with Prime Minister Netanyahu and Health Minister Yuli Edelstein, who received their second doses live on Israeli TV. Hundreds of thousands of patients are expected to get their second jabs in the coming days. Uh, Israel expects to receive an additional 1 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine by the end of the month, with the first supplies of the Moderna vaccine, about 100,000 doses, arriving within a few days as well. Pfizer is said to be considering Israel its test country uh, for rolling out to an entire population. And Mr. Mr. Netanyahu has said that he expects to have vaccinated the entire country by the end of March. This timeline is useful for him, of course, because the elections are scheduled for March 23rd. Israel has already given first doses to some 1.7 million people. That's out of a population of 9.29 million, which is by far the highest vaccination rate per capita in the world. And Ministry of Health, uh, the Ministry of Health is reporting that 70% of Israelis in the over 60 demographic have received their first shot, which is just fantastic. There has been some anger here in Israel, uh, as many will have seen on social media, over the accusation that started in a Guardian newspaper, uh, in the, so I should say in the Guardian newspaper report, that Israel has done nothing to vaccinate Palestinian, Palestinians. This accusation has been repeated by several media outlets around the world, as well as some politicians and NGOs. Israel has angrily pointed out that under the Oslo Accords, Palestinians have full health autonomy and, in fact, have not requested any help from Israel. They'd ordered supplies of the Sputnik V vaccine from Russia, which at the time of recording still had not been delivered. But Israel would argue it bears absolutely no responsibility for their health system. Into other stories, and the Jerusalem District Court on Friday announced that they decided to postpone indefinitely uh, this coming Wednesday's hearing, at which the Prime Minister and his fellow defendants were due to answer corruption charges. This led to thousands of people holding demonstrations after Shabbat opposite Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's home in um, Kizaria, as well as in Paris Square here in Jerusalem, and on bridges and other locations around Israel. Now, demonstrations against the Prime Minister have been held regularly every Motzei Shabbat, every Saturday night, for 29 weeks. But in the wake of the court's decision on postponing his trial, those crowds last night were larger than of late. Demonstrators accused the Prime Minister of engineering Israel's third lockdown to avoid coming to court. Although I think that's a hard one to justify when you look at the uh, COVID numbers we read out earlier. After long, fierce court battles with environmental groups, Israel's National Planning and Building Commission Appeals Committee has awarded final approval to the controversial new White Ridge, uh, which is the Reches Levan neighborhood in the Jerusalem Hills. 
5,250 housing units are planned to be located on a terraced hillside between the Ora and Minadav agriculture cooperatives south of Jerusalem and the Jerusalem neighborhood of Kiryat Menachem. The land is partly within the Jerusalem municipality and partly in the Matei Yehuda regional council area. Anyone who's been to the Jerusalem Biblical Zoo will have seen this as the forested view that you see from uh, the zoo gardens. On to the Israeli elections. And the latest poll by Channel 13 shows Likud gaining ground, while the initial, the initial surge by Tel Aviv and old-school Labour Party activist Mayor Ron Huldai has dived. Meanwhile, uh, MK and former Defence Minister and former Army Chief of Staff Moshe Bogi Ya'alon is officially breaking away from Yair Lapid and Yeshatid to run uh, his own party. Uh, Talem. This means that there are now 10 parties to the centre or left of centre that are battling for a likely maximum of 25 to 30 man mandates and that if things go well for them. So let's just go through them. There's Yair Lapid's Yeshatid, Telem, led by Ya'alon, as I mentioned, Blue and White, who are currently into the government under Benny Gantz, uh, aforementioned Ron Huldai Israeli's party, there's Meretz, which is the... Uh, I don't want to say communist, but certainly hard-left socialist party. There's Labour itself, uh, Hatnufa, uh, which translates as Momentum, led by former Yesha Tid, MK, Ofer Shalach. There's the Economy Party under Yaron Seleka, who you may not have heard of. I certainly hadn't, but he was actually at one point the Finance Ministry Accountant General. Then there's the Pensioners Party. They're led by former Mossad chief Danny Atom. And then there's the Democratic Party, founded by Professor Ehud Shapiro from the Weizmann Institute, who you, again, you may not have heard of, but has actually been a, a senior leader in these protests that I mentioned outside the Prime Minister's office for the last few months. Meanwhile, after initially outlining policies for electoral reform, former Bibi confidant Gidon Sa'ar has gone on the attack against his former ally, accusing Netanyahu of fermenting the sort of chaos that we saw in Washington last week. In the latest polls, he was looking at 18 mandates, which is much lower than uh, I think he was looking at 23 at one point, and Bibi was polling on 28. Attorney General Avichai Mandelbit announced on Friday that he is planning to indict Shas party leader Arie Derry on three counts of tax fraud, um, potentially coming to more than one and a half million shekels. However, there is no indictment coming for the original, more severe bribery part, um, charges that Mandelbit was investigating. If this sounds like deja vu, it's because in the year 2000, Derry was convicted of taking $155,000 worth of bribes while serving as interior minister, for which he served 22 months of a three-year jail sentence. Uh, it's to be noted that Derry does not need to step down as interior minister until a final indictment decision, which likely won't take place until after the March election, which he'll therefore presumably be leading Shas into. Economic news and uh, Globes is reporting that Israel's foreign exchange reserves rose to over $47 billion in 2020. This includes foreign currency purchases of more than $20 billion. Uh, but despite these huge foreign currency purchases designed to weaken the strengthening of the shekel against the US dollar and other currencies, the Israeli currency gained 7% against the dollar 
during the past 12 months and ended the year at just above 3.20 shekels to the dollar. That was a level not seen since October 1996. However, as we reported in last week's daily shekel analysis video, which we post on the Israel Transfer Facebook LinkedIn pages, the shekel is now even stronger. And at the time of recording this on Sunday, it was trading at 3.185 shekels to the dollar. More on that in uh, our first of our weekly videos tomorrow. And Israel's Ministry of Transport announced on Thursday that Tesla has been awarded a license to import cars. They've received a unique direct importer's license, which allows them to import their own cars and means that Tesla themselves will be setting up its own service centers and training mechanics uh, to maintain its unique cars. This is the first time that such a license has been given to a car manufacturer rather than a representative or agency to import cars on the manufacturer's behalf. Okay, uh, we started this, I felt, quite negatively uh, with the COVID figures. So I'm going to finish today's summary, uh, and I, I think I'm going to try to do this on a weekly basis. I'm going to try to finish with three really positive stories from Israel last week. First of all, a record number of Israeli Arabs joined the Israel Defense Forces in 2020. Over a thousand Israeli Arabs volunteered to serve in the IDF as conscripts, all reservists in, in that year, twice that of 2019. I should mention that Arab citizens are exempt from compulsory service. Most of them joined after the coronavirus crisis began in March. They include Muslims from Jerusalem and Palestinian Authority-controlled areas, Galilee Bedouin and Christian Arabs from northern Israel, not to mention, of course, Druze Arabs who uh, volunteer as a community for the conscript. Israel has delivered a second Iron Dome defense system to the United States. The first was delivered in September. The systems would help defend American soldiers against ballistic and air threats. Uh, if you're not familiar with Iron Dome, you may think back to uh, 2014 when the Iron Dome basically took out Hamas rockets as they flew into Israel in large numbers. They were able to pinpoint destroy them in the air, a unique and remarkable system. Uh, that saved a lot of lives and property here in Israel. And finally, in this little bit of good news, the UAE, that's the United Arab Emirates, leading telecom group, Itisalat, is now including the Israel-based English-language news network, I24 News, in their basic package. So that will go to many, many, many homes and presumably hotels as well in the UAE. And now, our feature story. Meir Givati is a partner with Jerusalem legal firm Chaim Givati & Co. He's a specialist in property transactions, property management, uh, as well as corporate and commercial transactions here in Israel. And that makes him perfect for this discussion about property from the angle of taxation, if you like, purchasing property. And we're really we're talking to anybody, but specifically talking to Olin. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let, I just want to start with the assumption that buying property in Israel is possibly not quite like buying property in America, Britain, Australia, or wherever. 
No, it's actually quite, quite different. Um, you know, from Australia, there's a whole different aspect of how they do things when it comes to uh, private homes. Uh, but especially if we're talking about America, you know, there, there are things that are completely different or sometimes completely uh, um, the other way around uh, when it comes to the transactions. Um, you know, if we touch, you know, for, this, for just a few examples, um, like in, in the US, for example, the most important date when it comes to a real estate transaction is the date of closing. It's a date where you make the last payment and you take possession. Um, in Israel, it's quite the opposite. In Israel, the defining date is the day you sign the purchase agreement. Even if you're buying it from a new build, you know, when you're going to get the apartment in three, four, six years, the defining date is the date that you sign the purchase agreement. Um, so everything derives from that. You know, us as lawyers had to report the transaction to the tax office within 30 days. The purchase tax had to be paid within 60 days. Payments are calculated from the day you sign the contract. Uh, the date they, that you sign the contract means the day you purchase the agreement, even if you don't have possession. Um, so, you know, there are, there are major, major differences. I don't think there's even a point of trying to compare. So, because I think the best uh, um, um, recommendation I have to people buying from the US is actually to lose your expectation. Things work here differently. Don't try to compare. Um, make sure you have the right people to guide you through the process. So you're at the beginning of the process. You've, you've seen a property which this year, what we've seen as well is people actually don't even see the property. They're not flying here to walk around it. They walked around it on Zoom and they, they've decided they want to purchase a property. Um, should we differentiate at this point between new build and an existing property or is it essentially the same? Yeah, I want, I want, I want to touch small, uh, small item about that, which is actually funny these days. Um, we've seen because of Corona and everything happening around the world, there's a lot of interest of people buying from abroad here in Israel. Um, now, what many of us have seen is that actually a lot of people are buying a new build, a new construction, because at the end of the day, if you're living in America or Israel, if you are buying off the plans, it makes no difference. You're in the same level. Sometimes if you want to buy a secondhand home, so somebody who can actually live, someone who lives in Israel can actually come and visit the property and see it might have an edge. But when you buy off the plans and the building hasn't been started building, um, then it's much, much easier uh, for someone from abroad to relate to it because the, the Israelis don't have any edge over them. So we've seen a lot of it actually happening during this time when people see plans, but we've also seen interest of people buying secondhand home with Zoom or with other ways of seeing the property and the location. And with the technology now, there's people can even see the view from the future apartment, whether it's built or not. So um, it's, 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 funny that during this time, but we've seen uh, um, quite a number of people that deal a lot with Anglo see quite a um, raise or, or a lot of people are buying nowadays in, uh, in, uh, in Israel, even from afar. So no, that's actually very interesting. I can consider that. It's actually very interesting. So you've seen a property, whether it's on paper or, you know, an existing property, and you've made a decision. You, you, you I don't want to put a deposit down. What should be your next step? I mean, I presume this is where things start to get different. Okay, yeah, but I, I would say that first of all, you need to do plan ahead of time because, and this is a part of what we said we're going to discuss today is the, the question of taxation. Right. The question of taxation is huge because other than the purchase price, the purchase tax is the highest amount you'll pay for anything relating to the purchase. So planning ahead of time makes a huge, huge difference uh, with the relating to um, the purchase tax is going to pay. And I'll give a few examples. 
Um, if you're, for example, interested in buying over the green line, um, then it can be in, in places like uh, um, Gibad Ze'ev, in uh, Malay Adumim, in the Gush area, for example, if you're talking in the, in the Jerusalem area. These are places over the green line. Now, if, if, these places, if you buy a property over the green line and you're neither an Israeli resident or a citizen, then there is no purchase tax to, play, to pay. But you have to purchase it at least two years before you move to Israel. So this is really very uh, important to do it ahead of time because we talk it could be a tens and hundreds of thousands of shekels difference between buying it two years or a year and ten months before. You know, the, 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 it makes a huge difference. Uh, but let's touch, you know, more more points. Um, there, there's a few ways you need to calculate the uh, purchase tax, and uh, the if we touch on the base, the general purchase tax rate is what people from abroad would buy or in Israeli buying. Um, their second or any additional apartments uh, more than the first one. Um, and this starts with five, six, and seven percent, and on the higher end can even go up to eight and ten percent. Um, that's a general tax rate. Now, if you're an Israeli resident buying your single residency, um, which in, quote, in, in um, brackets I'll say, uh, that also if you have one and you're buying a new one and selling the first one, it, it still could be considered your first apartment or your single residency, then you have a leniency of a lower tax rate, which starts from zero, three and a half, five percent. Again, on the higher end, it can still reach eight and ten percent. Um, but in order to use that leniency, if you're buying from abroad, you have to make sure that you have moved to Israel within two years of signing the contract. Again, we're going back to what we said before, the defining date is the date you sign the contract. And you count two years from that point. If you have made Aliyah or moved to Israel, became a resident within two years, then you will be able to get the purchase tax back. And we're talking about a significant amount of money if you yeah. from zero to five, six or seven percent. Right. Um, but if you do it two, uh, uh, two years in a week, you will not be able to do that. So the planning is very important. Um, and also, if we touch the, another leniency possibility for someone making Aliyah is the Aliyah right. Now, the Aliyah right starts from half a percent and goes up to 5% and that it's capped at 5%. So what are the differences? The difference is, is if you make Aliyah and you already own an apartment in Israel, um, then you can still use your Aliyah rights, which you'll pay less tax than the general tax of, you know, five, six and 7%. Right. Um, but if you're buying your, your single residency, then depends on the purchase price. Up to about five or five and a half million shekels, it's more beneficial for the person buying to use your single residency uh, purchase tax because you'll end up paying less tax because it starts from 0%. Ah. While Aliyah writes, it starts at half a percent. So definitely on the lower end and up to about five or five and a half million shekels, it's better to use your, your single residency. If you buy a higher end apartment, then you want to use your Aliyah rights because you end up paying less tax. So planning ahead of time and knowing uh, when you're buying it can make a significant difference. And, but how does, it relate, how does it relate to the Aliyah? The Aliyah rights, if you remember what we spoke before about the residency, which you have to make Aliyah within two years, mm -hmm. if you're making Aliyah, you have to be within one year from, the purchase, from signing the purchase agreement. And you can use that right up to seven years. There's another little caveat that not many people know that if you're buying from a builder, you have the right to move to Israel within three years 
or whenever the letter of occupancy was received for the building, whichever one comes first. So okay. if you're an Ole Hadash, which you want to use your Aliyah rights, which as we discussed, we see which is more beneficial. But if you do decide you want to use your Aliyah rights, then buying from a builder, you have longer time than you're buying from a second home, second-hand home. That's interesting. Um, but that's part of why you take a lawyer. You know, a lot of people, I'm not going to tell you uh, that it's, it's rare, but some people buy from a builder, um, you know, without taking a lawyer. Um, I think, you know, it, it's foolish in a way because at the end of the day, we're your insurance. If you don't take a lawyer, you wouldn't necessarily know all the ins and outs. And you, when you have to take your lawyer, you have to make sure that uh, you take someone you can trust and make sure he guides you and, and, and uh, um, guarantee all your rights. That's a very good point uh, for me to say that what we're going to do is we're going to place underneath your contact information if anybody's got any questions, because we have really scratched the surface of what I know is an extremely complex. Um, yeah. People can feel free to email me with any question they might have. It would be my pleasure uh, um, to, to help and answer any question you might have. Brilliant. I can't thank you enough. Yeah, yeah it's been really interesting. And again, we have scratched the surface of a very deep pool of information that people need to know. And we're talking about large amounts of money and buying the property is the single biggest purchase that almost anybody ever makes. And you want to get this right. And uh, buying from a strange country, even more so. Strange language, strange yeah. people. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you need to make sure you're well protected. And like you said, there's so many things that are relating to real estate, whether you move to Israel first, try it, or you want to rent, or everything has to do with real estate. You know, you have to make sure somebody uh, takes care of you, uh, especially if you just come here so, or you're doing it from abroad. Um, there are so many aspects of things. There's so many changes in the law. If we just talk, you know, shortly, you know, changes that have been in the law in the last few years, People are buying now uh, or who have bought uh, six months ago, <coughs> the taxation changed. You know, right. the people buying now actually would pay less tax. If you talk about rental law, the rental law has changed in 2017, which was not that long ago. So, you know, you have to make sure that people are not taking advantage of you because you don't know the law. And, you know, you have to make sure somebody helps you and guides you on your first steps here in Israel. Find yourself a good lawyer. Yeah, here's information <laughs> will be below. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know you're busy. And we, we had, you had calls coming in as we were starting this. So I really appreciate the time. Um, My pleasure. Thanks again to Yair Givati. I'll put a link to his firm's website on the info with this podcast. And that's it for this week's edition. I really hope you enjoyed it and that the sound of my children in the background didn't disturb too much life in lockdown. If you did enjoy this, then please hit the subscribe button. And of course, a like, a share, or even a comment would be incredibly welcome too. Now, if you need to buy or sell shekels, then please visit www.isratransfer.com. That's where you can organize your money transfer to and from Israel via the Isra Transfer homepage. You can also get in touch with Isra Transfer, uh, or the team, I should say, from there as well as via the Facebook page and you can access a mine of information about Israel's financial system, buying property and investment in Israel in the Israel Transfer blog. I'll be back at the start of next week with another episode and until then, Shalom V'lehitro'ot from Israel.